Hi, I'm Elena Becker, and this is P.S., the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our community about their Puget Sound experiences. Today, we're recording from Moonyard Studio in Tacoma, Washington, and our guest is Jude Glazer, a junior from Los Angeles, California. Jude, thank you for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm delighted to have you here. And the first thing I want to ask you, because, of course, it is summertime in the Pacific Northwest, is have you ever spent a summer here before? So, actually, uh, this is how I found Puget Sound. Okay. Um, My family has uh, some pretty close friends who own two houses on a beach on Orcas Island. What a dream. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, Orcas up in the San Juans. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely gorgeous. So, every year or almost every year for as long as I can remember, we've spent actually the week of the 4th up at those houses. Um, Every summer they have this election for the mayor, but the mayor of the island just turns out to be one of the household pets. (laughs) Um, So... I, that's actually how I ended up finding a school because I was like, the Pacific Northwest is so gorgeous. People are so friendly yeah. here. And then the words Puget Sound, which is also the name of the area that that is. Right. And of the body up. of water. Yeah. Yeah. So We run into problems with that sometimes, actually, where people Google Puget Sound and get, like, mm. regional maps. Yeah. <laughs> rather than the university because yeah. we do have the same name as a body of water. Mm-hmm. And we every so often um, will actually use the pattern of the sound as a background on, like, a print piece. Oh. So I sometimes get questions about, like, what's this design? And it's like, well, that's the the natural feature that we're named after. Mm-hmm. But so Puget Sound, the university, gets on your radar because of your summers up here. Yeah. Uh, and then what happens What's your college search process like to get you here? So originally, I was planning on majoring in music education. Yeah. So my college search relied heavily on does the school offer that major? Mm -hmm. It's a pretty uncommon major for schools to have. Um, And then additionally, I was also limited by I want to teach. And if you get your certification in certain states, you can teach anywhere in America. Right. Whereas if you get certified in one place, you can only teach in that state. Sure. And I knew that Washington, California, and New York were some of those states. So I Where kind if of, you got your certification there, you could teach anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's that reciprocity. Right. So I kind of had my search narrowed down to just those two things. I want to be in one of these three states, and I wanted yeah. to have, you know, that uh, major in it. And then it turned up a pretty short list, actually. And so then by the time I was looking through schools, um, I kind of had my heart set on Puget Sound before it was really even came up on my list of things just because I had that history coming to the area over the summer. And then um, I spoke to Gerard Morris, uh, Mm -hmm. the director of the School of Music, when I came to visit. And, you know, it was all just history from there because he won me over. What is your musical background that made you interested in music education? Yeah, so I started playing trumpet, I think, 10 or 11 years ago now. Um, So then I was in you know, school ensembles growing mm-hmm. up. I did marching band in high school. I ran the marching band for a year. Cool. Um, and so I knew that music was something that I was really, really interested in just yeah. because that was the thing I found myself putting the most energy into during right. my, like, middle and high school years. Right. And then in addition to that, I found myself teaching at a religious school. And that was also something I really wanted to put energy into. So I thought I'd teaching just pair music? the two. No, I was just teaching, um, actually, Hebrew. Okay. Um, 
But then I got to work with the music guy at the school. Got and it. I got to work just with the kids that age. Yeah. And I found that I really wanted to do something that incorporated something in both of those things that I was doing. Right. So music education, you can follow pretty naturally. Yeah. From there, how you ended up with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you are not now a music education major. No. What happened? I didn't realize we had a full music conservatory. <laughs> um, and I really like the music program that we have at the school, but it's also a lot of credits to graduate with the music education degree. So you start to feel like you want to explore other things. Yeah. And do you sort of randomly select classes that allow you to do that? So I was – I decided – that I didn't want to do music education about a semester or two semesters ago. Okay. And from there I started picking so classes. So towards the beginning of your so- – sorry, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt, but towards the beginning of your sophomore year. Right. Yeah. So I'm still filling out core classes. I haven't been forced to really declare my major yet. Yeah. Um, and I still had a lot of core classes that I can still take in order to graduate. So I decided to just fill myself one semester just cores – um, and one of those classes happened to be a religious studies class with yeah. a professor, um, Sam Kygar, who's now my advisor, because mm-hmm. I just fell in love with his teaching style and the way that he approached religious studies. Yeah. Um, so it was it was our core requirements that let me kind of find the new major. And what was that first class that you fell in love with actually about? Um, so it was actually our introduction to Jewish studies class. Mm-hmm. Um So that's kind of a new branch for us. We recently got a professor who's versed in Jewish studies, um, although I think Islamic studies is his focus. Um, And then I'm also a member of our school's Jewish Student Union, and we heard about the professor coming. We heard about this class, and we've been talking about it for a year. So about (laughs) half of the regular going members decided that we were all going to register for the class and take it together. And and you enjoyed it? Yes, I loved it. What were some of the things, what, what made you love it? So um, the professor, we call him Sam because it's Puget Sound and you don't call any professors (laughs) by their last name here anymore. Um, But Sam had this method of teaching that a lot of professors will around here where he doesn't like to lecture at us. He actually requires everyone in the class to have a study partner or someone Mm -hmm. to talk to at least during class time when we're, you know, having these little breakaway conversations. Um, But he was really emphasizing learning back from us. Right. Um, Sam didn't really care what the facts were because, especially with religious studies and theology, facts get a little blurred by the 5,000, 6,000-year history. Sure. (laughs) Um, So, But he was really interested in just learning what we had to say. He spent about half the time just listening to us talk back to him in class. And so I ended up learning a lot from Sam um, Mm -hmm. just in how to interact with people. And how to, you know, hear criticism or hear people be right without diminishing your own ability to Mm, be right. Sure. um, Especially in academic contexts. And that's a hard skill, especially when you're an authority figure. Yeah. (laughs) To to recognize how to have Mm. that give and take in conversation. Yeah. So I remember I was really struck. I had met with him for coffee, um, you know, for advising stuff. And I said something about liking to learn about where people are coming from in these conversations. And he took that to heart the next day in class. He actually commented on it without, you know, pointing me out or giving me any 
you know, weird in the middle of class attention. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you could really tell that he had taken the time to think about the thing that I had said. Right. I had kind of said in passing almost. <laughs> um, and then he felt the need to address it to the whole class. Yeah. And it's really just that attitude and that humbleness that our humility that I really want, like, just want to work with. Well, and I think one of the things that's so remarkable about going to school at a place like Puget Sound is that even though every individual professor's teaching style may not be a fit for you, that ethos mm-hmm. permeates a lot of what the faculty are doing here. Yeah. If, if you didn't want to have those type of one-on-one personal interactions with people, you would probably not teach somewhere where the average class size is 17 yeah. <laughs> because you know you're going to have them. And so I think some of it is is fostered by um, mm-hmm. our existing community ethos. But I also think there's some selection bias in that the type of person who wants to come to a place like this, whether it's to teach or to learn, is oftentimes someone who who knows that they will benefit from mm-hmm. that type of setting and setup. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tori Hansen, Assistant Director of Admission at Puget Sound, working with students in the Mid-Atlantic and in the San Francisco Bay Area, as well as all of our transfer students. If you like what you hear on this podcast, you can learn even more about Puget Sound by coming to campus. Schedule your visit at pugetsound.edu visit. We'd love to host you. What are some of your other favorite classes that you've taken? Um, whenever people ask me this question, I always think back to some of the classes I took my first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorite classes was actually one of my first year seminars, Rock After the Beatles, uh, taught by Paul Harris. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it's this look at the history of punk rock after the British invasion. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about these classes is he can teach it on that because he was interested in it, and his only real job was to teach us how to do research and college-level writing. Yeah. Um, so I ended up having weekly listening quizzes on, like, the Sex Pistols. Sweet. Um, and it was an absolute blast, especially because uh, Harris has such a cool personality. Mm-hmm. He's one of these people— um, he and I are similar in that we both consider ourselves musicians, but we don't consider ourselves good musicians. <laughs> Um, so we just hang out, and especially at the time, we were both really—well, um, he works in the music department, and yeah. I was really involved in the music department with my music education major. Um, so we would kind of bond over that, just like, we're surrounded by a bunch of real classical musicians kind right. of sentiment. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun just because you get to study and look at something you never really would. Sure. Um, and also, you're a scared little freshman coming into college, and suddenly your professor is just— kind of nuts and fun to hang out with, which I'm, is also fun. I'm actually really jealous of Rock After the Beatles. That was um, I just I ended up in a different class that also mm-hmm. seemed really interesting to me. But that was one of the classes where I'm like, man, that would have been interesting. Yeah. To, and that was one of my favorite things about the whole experience of college is that it's sort of carte blanche to devote some time to something you're interested in, but don't know that much about or something mm-hmm. you care about, but maybe couldn't find your way through learning about on your own Yeah. Uh, by sort of spreading yourself and your interests out and leaning into new things. Mm-hmm. What are um, what are some of the things that you're doing when you're not in class? I know you mentioned the Jewish Student Union. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, we used to have a Hillel on campus. Um, Hillel is the typical 
overarching national Jewish life on col- in on college campuses kind of organization. Um, but we lost our affiliation. We forgot to renew some paperwork a few years ago. Is that ago. what happened? Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, and for a while, we were illegally calling ourselves Hillel. Um, and then two year, or a year ago, we had a member who decided that she didn't want to call us that anymore. It's a national organization with political affiliations, so we weren't super in love with that. Sure. Um, and a group of us decided to set up a Jewish student union to cater towards people who identify as Jewish in any way on this mm-hmm. campus. Um and so I spent I spend a lot of time just trying to poll Jewish students, like, what do you want from us? Do you yeah. want us to take you to services? Do you want us to just throw a party for you? Um, I know a lot of people who will only be involved with the religious aspect of Judaism and other people who will refuse to step foot in temple. Yeah. So a lot of my time is actually just spent trying to figure out what people want in that. Right. Um, especially because officially I hold the title of uh, religious and education director. Mm-hmm. So my job is to come up with these events to take them sure. to. And what have been some of the answers to that question? What do people want? And what are the types of programming that you're doing as a result? So people want, I mean, for the most part, they just keep telling us they want to see more events for them to pick and choose from. <laughs> uh, it's very hard for some for someone to walk up to you and say, I want you to throw an event for this holiday. Right. So instead, we've been doing things like upping the amount of programming. We hold um, we held a panel last semester, and we're probably just going to repeat that panel again um, yeah. for the incoming first-year students. Uh, I actually got a my advisor's cousin to come in. Um, we have a lot of queer students on our Jewish student union, and uh, his cousin identifies as a queer Jew of color, hmm. um, and her partner is an indigenous two-spirit Jew of color. So it was really interesting. We got to have them come in, and that was one of our more um, well-received events because they just talked to us about activism, about intersectionality. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's just kind of making room for people to be visibly and comfortably Jewish on campus. Right. Um, because, you know, small college campuses, it's not that there is an anti-Semitic um, sentiment, but there's an anti-religion sentiment. So for a lot of people, it's difficult for them to find that space. Yeah, and I think also I'm not a religious person myself, so I almost feel a little bad speculating about this. But one of the things that a number of my friends in college who do practice any sort of religion brought up um, was just – Carving time out of sort of the rhythm of life to be able mm-hmm. to access that community yeah. takes a, a big emotional and psychological investment if you have to do it for yourself. And so to have some of that either service or community building facilitated by any type of organization relieves some of the burden of how how do I make this happen for myself, particularly when, as you alluded to earlier, you're coming into your first year and you have a, you're kind of overwhelmed and you have a lot of stuff to figure out. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be able to tap into community right away. Yeah, and that's something that we're really trying to provide for people. Um, Puget Sound is a very diverse school, but for a lot of our Jewish students who come from larger cities, typically more diverse cities, um, you know, we want to create a space where they feel like they can find their people. Right. Um, so we do we do a lot of programming, you know, for the incoming freshmen during orientation. We'll have events, um, you know, a Shabbat service mm-hmm. or a closing Shabbat. It's called a Havdalah ceremony. Or I got that wrong and I'm the worst Jew <laughs> on the Internet. Um, so we like to put that in just for those first-year students to come and 
you do see it happen. We we throw potlucks. We have uh, every Friday we host a tiny little Shabbat thing on campus, so it's really easy for students to get there. Right. It's only an hour of their day, and it's usually right. Um, you know, it's, bef- it's at like five o'clock, so it's before anyone's going out either. Sure. Um, so we find that that works really well to get people involved and interested. But. And what are some of the other things that you're involved in on campus? And I ask because one of the themes that's come up throughout the podcast mm-hmm. is that so many of our students are living these um, rich, multifaceted, varied lives where they have a long list of things yeah. that they do and are involved in. And I suspect that the same is true of you. Yeah. So. Um, I, you know, I work as a tour guide. That's you how sure you got do. your hands on me. Indeed. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I'm really passionate about showing people the school. I also work at one of our on-campus cafes, uh, Lilith's Cafe over at the Fieldhouse. I did not know that about you. Yeah, so it's fun. I know all about coffee and smoothies now. You sure do. Um, and then on campus, I'm also one of our student peer allies. So, um, you know, Peer Allies is students providing support and resources for victims of sexual violence. We hold office hours for people to come speak with us anonymously. Um, and we also hold educational workshops and conversations for any you know, school group who's interested. So we've had them come into Jewish Student Union. We go to Greek Life a lot because they ask us to come in. Right. Um, so that's, you know, most of what I'm involved with on campus. And then between... The two jobs and the two clubs, I tend to fill up my time. But when I can get a time, um, in my unorganized time, I like to go hiking. Where do you like to hike in the greater Tacoma region? um, I mean, mostly I just end up at Point Defiance because it's right here. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some friends who like to go set up their hammocks with me at sunrise, and then we go at an early morning hike. Um, I've also been – I recently picked up a trail guide for Mount Rainier. Mm. So it's like 200 different hikes on the mountain. And I have a friend who just got a year-long Discover Pass. So we're going to try to do as many of them as we can in the next year. Oh, that's great. I had um, one of my signature outdoor experiences at Mount Rainier. I saw my first bear in the wild at Mount Rainier, which had never happened to me before. Um, And it was exactly the way you want to see a bear. It was like 800 yards away and across a field. (laughs) So that was excellent. Uh, But I I love to try to get down there. And it's Mm -hmm. it's like, I think, an hour driving, maybe a little less. Um, And just a very cool resource to have access to. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still a little bit in shock that you can go have that kind of experience so close. I mean, it was a black bear, right? Like that's that's a a wild animal on an order different than like a gopher or an eagle or Mm -hmm. even though we have plenty of those. So I I think with fond excitement about Mount Rainier. Yeah. So have you been down there before? Yeah. um, So, I mean, I've made it a couple of times for some easier hikes uh, beginning in the summer. I'm still trying to get my uh, summer fitness in, so I'm not ready for those harder (laughs) hikes yet. Um, But over spring break, I actually tried to go to Mount Rainier with a few friends of mine, and we made it to the mountain fine. But I, whatever comes next, if the start of the story is we made it to the mountain fine, but <laughs> well, we were using Apple Maps, which is always a bit of a mistake, uh-huh. and it took us down the wrong side of the mountain, and uh-huh. we ended up in eastern Washington. Yeah, that's um, a wow. So. <laughs> I don't quite know how that happened still, but there were a couple of towns we had to get gas in, you know, just finding our way back where we were afraid to leave the car. (laughs) Because I don't know if you've been on that side of Mount Rainier, but it can be a little ghost towny at places. Sure. Yeah. There, um, 
I actually like that area a lot. But mm-hmm. if you didn't know where you were going and you weren't, you hadn't sort of planned out what you were going to do. I, I yes, I don't know that that's a place I would want to cross my fingers that I'd come yeah. across a gas station. Like, uh, uh, but you made it. Yeah, we survived. You got the gas. You mm. made it back. You had a successful trip. Yeah. So, excellent. Jude, what um, to what extent has living in Tacoma been a part of your experience here? To what extent was the Pacific Northwest a draw for you when you picked a school? And then has that played out in your experience as a student at Puget Sound? Um, yeah, well, you know, I mentioned before I had some history with the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. growing up. And, you know, I did fall in love with the area. Um, coming from a city like L.A., right. the city that you're in really does, to me, have an impact on your experience. So to me, I'm not just spending my time at Puget Sound. I'm, you know, going around Tacoma and I'm learning that you probably want to bike or drive here because the buses are great, but they're not going to take you to exactly where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot of time over in Old Town, Tacoma. You know, my friends and I just like to go to the Glass Museum and literally just watch in the hot shop as they're right. doing their thing. Um So a lot of the times, you know, I do try to make myself as busy as possible on campus (laughs) because we are notoriously overcommitted. Yeah, indeed. Um, But, uh, yeah, a lot of my experience has been shaped by, you know, what random thing me and my friends can do that weekend. Or, you know, if we have a random day off, you know, what we can do. And I found that people in Tacoma also just want to talk to you. They love Puget Sound as well, so I'll go to, like, the local temple, and they'll just start talking to me about the school, and so it all becomes the same kind of experience together. Mm. Jude, we are concluding all of our conversations by asking our guests the same four questions. Okay. Question one is, what's the best place on campus? Lilith's Cafe, because that's where you have all the bagels and the smoothies. It's delicious. And it's where you work. That's where I work. What are you reading right now? Uh, Right now I'm rereading Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts. Hmm. I was assigned it for a class uh, a year ago, and I think I read it, but not nearly closely enough. And it's fantastic the second time through. Excellent. What's your favorite place to eat in Tacoma? This is really upsetting taco time, to be honest. Jude! I know. Really? I'm under 21, so I can't get into any of the bars yet, and I'm pretty cheap, and I love a $5 plate of nachos. I, I, I will let that one slide. Thank you. Uh, and lastly, what makes Puget Sound special? Probably the community. Mm-hmm. I find at Puget Sound, everyone is willing and ready to talk to you and help you out whether or not they know you yet. Mm. And that's not something I've had before coming here. Jude Glazer, thanks for joining me on the Puget Sound Podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you to our guest and to you, the listener. You can follow Puget Sound on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. And we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast.